just don't know how many lives you're saving, you know, especially at that age. This is a second grader. All right, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Emeroy TV, or you might just be listening on, to the, on the Move Groove Grow podcast or even on the Vision Paradox podcast. Today, I bring back a happiness legend that I interviewed like, back in 2011, about 2012, when, we, when I first interviewed him. Um, it, we had an amazing uh, chat back in the day about, uh, I think for me, I was curious about he, how he got started in, in starting his movement in being a, a speaker and his platform for me for it because at that time I wanted to be I had interest in being a speaker but now I'm really interested more interested in what he's doing uh, we're currently working with him and we're really passionate about what his program is about and I kind of like wanna for me I really kind of want to dig deep a little bit more in this episode about his approach to it why it's so important and everything so if it's your first time hopping onto the podcast uh welcome uh, i'm gonna pass the mic to danny so you can get a little bit more about him uh, a little bit of his origin story take it away danny <laughs> hi thank you emroy for having me uh i'm just so excited about this uh this interview i've been antsy i haven't been able to go to any schools because of the pandemic but i think this is the time where I kind of get back to the basics of finding my happiness, remaining patient, and then figuring out what is going to happen or how I'm going to change it up when the kids go back to school and I'm able to spread that happiness. So, For those who haven't seen the previous interview and aren't too sure, uh, who've never worked with you or seen your stuff, uh, give a little bit of an like, uh, origin story of uh, you, your brand, and how you got into it. Sure. So I was a high school math teacher um, out of college. Uh, but prior to that, I was a professional dancer and choreographer. And so when I was uh, going on these auditions, I wasn't booking anything. And I, I booked a, a very first tour with Jocelyn Enriquez. And we did the Kiss FM tour. Nice. And it was fun, but I, I quickly realized that this is not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to dance and be a background dancer. I just didn't want to tour because it wasn't stable and I didn't get, I didn't have medical insurance. So those things really <laughs> stuck with me. And I said, okay, well, if I can't dance, then what can I do? And one of my friends said, Hey, you like to dance. You're a great teacher. Why don't you consider being a high school teacher? And I, and I did, I went back to Cal state Fullerton. I got my teacher credential and I taught math for about eight years. And then, um, you know, what, I, what happened was I got, I, I, I wasn't dancing anymore, so I was a little bit sad. And so I wanted to figure out, well, why am I still sad? Why am I not as happy? Because I had, I had, you know, a job, I had my medical benefits, I, was, I, I made a lot of money, or I was actually, you know, I made enough money, but why was I still unhappy? It's because I wasn't dancing. And so what I decided to do was I decided to uh, quit uh, teaching and uh, explore this world of speaking but it didn't start until I would watch TED Talks and they were really popular back maybe 10 years ago. And <laughs> Renee Brown was the one, the power of vulnerability. Uh, oh, that was a good video. That, that, that video changed my life. And so once I saw that, um, I was inspired to do a TED Talk and I reached out to all the TED um, coordinators and TEDx San Diego said yes. And so nice. I did a, 12 minute talk about overcoming my fears and 
right then and there. Um, I was standing there and I looked up to the sky and I heard, I heard God, it was Oprah. And she said, this is your passion. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be dancing. You're in, you're supposed to be inspiring the youth. And so I want you to go ahead and take this first step on your journey. And so that's when I started speaking, uh, in high schools and middle schools and, uh, yeah, so that was the beginning of it. So I was inspired by Brene Brown and TED Talks. Your brand is called, uh, your company is called Happiness Is Now. How, how did you come, what led you to that name? <laughs> okay, so um, back at that time when I uh, left teaching, I was, it, it hit a rock bottom. I just got out of a long-term relationship um, and just things weren't going my way. I thought that happiness was about money and I had a nice car and I had a house and that's what my parents taught me. You know, that's what society said, <laughs> but, uh, we all, true. we all find out that that's not true. And so I went to a therapist and I just started from the beginning and she, she said, why don't you just start doing things with nature? you know? And mm. I was like, okay, nature. And my friend told me to go to, it was a monastery, a, a Buddhist monastery in Deer Park, uh, in Escondido. And she said, why don't you go there? So I went there. It's called Deer Park Monastery. It's a monastery created by Thich Nhat Hanh. And oh, shit. It was, yeah, it was a seven day retreat where, um, where you would meditate at 5 a.m., um, and several times throughout the day, you ate vegan food. And it was a lot of like internal stuff. And I was by myself. There was me and two other people on the seven-day retreat. And every day I would journal. And it just, uh, they were talking about the present moment. They're talking about the now. And I was like, oh, that's it. Happiness is now. Happiness is at this present moment. At this mm. point, there is no there is no drama. There is no fear. There is no hurt. There is no anger. At this moment, happiness is now. And that's where I created that name. Do a lot of your speaking towards the youth in regards to elementary to middle school to high school. How come? Why not like the general audience, like, you know, uh, going to adults, you know, those professional conventions? Uh, well, why the youth over, you know, these, I guess, these typical entrepreneur meetings or conventions? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, um, I think I'm just terrified of speaking to adults because when I was a teacher and we would go to the district meetings at the beginning of school, the superintendent would speak in front of us and, and talk about, you know, just wel welcoming everybody back. And all the while, all the teachers are drawing pictures of him and passing it around and making jokes. And we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be wow. role models. And here I am like making fun of our boss and everybody's just like not listening. And so I think ever since that, I just was a little bit terrified to speak in front of adults. And I look rather young. So even if I, when I would speak in front of adults and I knew what I was saying and I had experience, I just didn't get the same reaction as I did with kids. You know, mm. um, when, when I start dancing or they, they look at my tattoos or my hair, they're like, oh, this guy looks like us. And that's when we have this connection. And so I think with kids, they less judge. You know, it's not about judging. They're just about having fun and connecting and transferring that energy. So um, I actually started speaking with high schoolers first, mm. which is terrifying. But um, I, I slowly got into that vulnerability and 
it was just being about myself and telling my story. You know, I think high schoolers um, are trying to find themselves and they're trying to look for people that have gone through it and they just want to know mm -hmm. that everything's going to be all right in the end. And so I did middle school and high school and then I transitioned into elementary school because somebody said, hey, I, we need this there. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I went in there, I was like, what am I going to do? I can't talk to these kids. Mm -hmm. They're not going to listen to me. I, I, so I went in there so fearful and then I realized that when you turn on the music, they start dancing and all you need to do is dance with them <laughs> and then you sit them down once they get tired and then you have three minutes to disseminate the information about, you know, being kind or um, trying your hardest and you don't have to be perfect, but you always have to try your best and that's why I have that sign back there, always do mm -hmm. your best. And so with these kids, um, there's just a pure energy about them. And I feel like at that age, it's just so much, much more pure. And I feel like I can start them off to the right path. Walk me through like a, what a typical, I'd say assembly would be with for the kids. Sure. Okay. So um, when the kids start coming in and their teachers are coming, it's usually the kindergartners and they've never experienced an assembly. Um, the music is loud and they're coming in, they're looking at me and um, they're a little fearful, you know? And so what I start doing is I um, actually would stand up and then I would start doing the floss and then they would start <laughs> laughing, you know? And they're like, oh my gosh, you know the floss. And I was just doing all these, like all these uh, Fortnite dances. And those are things that they're familiar with. And so once I was able to connect with them with those dances, now we had that connection. Now they trust me. And so um, after that, the older kids would come in. I would bring those kindergartners up who wanted to show their, their dancing skills. And they would come up on stage and it would kind of like a pre-act right and mm -hmm. so they would they would dance and get everybody excited and so um once the assembly starts i tell a little bit of my story it's it's about how i was filipino and my and my mom was like loud and crazy and we used to go mm -hmm. to these Filipino parties and we we basically danced and so i would do my dance performance uh after that i get everybody into peak state by showing them different dances and they would follow me and we would create this energy and you can feel the energy in the crowd and getting them to this peak state it's not really about the dancing it is about it's about bringing the energy up so that the kids are excited and they get to the point where they'll be able to listen they'll want to listen and after we dance they have a seat and then i could talk about um you know, being kind and finding your happiness and doing your best and, um, you know, red ribbon week. Uh, it, it all depends. And I think at the very end, I teach everybody the, the entire dance and then I have the teachers come up and perform for the kids. No, and that's it's cool. so important. It's so important that the kid that see their teachers uh, come up there and be vulnerable and even if they're not good it's the it's the best when the teachers are not good but they're just up there having a good time because when they go back to class the kids are going to look at them and say wow that is so cool you're able to go up there maybe you weren't very good but you really were having <laughs> so much fun and you you're really awesome so um i think it just shows it's really powerful to see your teacher up on stage and then we leave with just um, having that reinvigorating spirit, that energy, that energy that starts with the teacher, and then it continues with the class. Um, and that can go on. Every Friday can be a dance party. I was reading a recent article about the importance of children's happiness. I was really blown away at the statistic, I think, of 
the leading cause of death for kids between the ages of five and 19 is actually suicide. So, and I, and I get that. So what you're doing, and I think in, like, I think a, a lot of adults, I, I might just be a projection. Like we overlook the importance of the well-being of a kid because they're children. Like y'all, they'll, they'll forget. They don't understand. Can you elaborate what, how deeply important it is to the, of the mental health and the happiness of a child. Just because you've got the, uh, the opportunity to see and work with kids and work and like talk to kids and make an impact on them, like and uh, and from all walks of life. Yeah, good question. You know, um, I think it's especially a difficult time, uh, and it's really. I, I don't. I don't know if I. I'd be able if I'd be as happy as I am now living in this time as a child because as a kid because social media is so powerful and it's also, it's so connecting, but it's also very dangerous because a kid can look at their friends at this time of the pandemic and they can see other people living their best lives and on vacation and doing these, these activities and yeah. you're scrolling and you're seeing these things and you're like, why am I not doing that? I'm a loser. I, sh I wish I had, you know, that life. I wish I was somebody else and it can go into a spiral. And so, Although social media is a great connector, it can also be a great stressor. And, um, you know, when we grew up, we didn't have anything like that. We would have to go outside and we would play. <laughs> we would be under the sun. And, you know, when you get sun, you, you get those, those powerful rays that create the, those vitamin, the vitamin D in your body. You get energized. You, you're, you're riding your bike or you're skateboarding and you're, you're, you're moving around. You're activating your happy brain chemicals. You're, you're getting a dose of your dopamine, your oxytocin, you know, your serotonin and your endorphins. And you do, these, do this for hours and you're connecting with your friends and you're going to the parks and there's just a lot of physical activity. And um, there's scientific proof that physical activity makes you happier because of this, those endorphins. And so um, I would say it's okay, yes, sure, to get on that social media and to share and to, to watch and just to connect with your friends. But it's also, you also have to be, remind yourself that people post their best selves. They always post not their real life, yeah. but they want people to see. So you have to understand that everybody, uh, life is hard for everybody. You just got to remind yourself that Yes, I'm going to be watching, looking at the social media. And you, if you start getting depressed or a little bit sad about it, then maybe it's time to take a break from it and maybe go outside and, and start dancing or listening to music or just getting active. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very important at this time to, for the kids to go outside, you know, um, to get the sun. If the, Being outside, there's a, a scientific uh, report that I saw that uh, heat and ultraviolet rays kill coronavirus. You know, if it's, uh, I believe, over 80 degrees outside and the rays. Mm -hmm. There, there won't be any coronavirus in the air. So um, I, think it's, I think it's important to be outside or going to the parks. And of course, social distancing and having masks. But it's very important to still be outside when you can. Yeah, safely. Yeah, because I mean, for me, like I'm a homebody. Like, but I, I personally notice a, a sensation in myself when I'm outside just for even just a walk. It, mm -hmm. How just being outside kind of uplifts my spirit instead of just being at home. I know there's a whole move. There's a schools in California are, aren't going to be opening until the fall. So, but I, I know for me, and I'm pretty sure some other people might be, be curious about this. Is like how would 
like uh, your how would you approach your assembly now that there's this whole, you know, looming fear of coronavirus, social distancing, trying to keep the kids safe? Like how, what would the new approach be? Well, you know, I tried doing an assembly on Zoom <laughs> and I, I, I tried teaching dance classes. And although it was fun, I quickly learned that the energy transfer uh, wasn't there. And as a performer, you, you thrive and you strive off the energy of the audience and you kind of rely on that. And um, mm. for me, when I started doing that, it wasn't my true self. You know, I was acting a little <laughs> uh, uh, not normal for me. You know, people would look at me and they'd be like, oh, that's like he's ha he has so much energy. But that to me is not true energy. And I don't know how sustainable that was. So I decided that I wasn't going to do that. Now, I am optimistic that uh, we are going to be go going back to school and 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 the pandemic will will end. I'm very optimistic about that, at least for next year. And I'm and I'm going to remain patient and I'm gonna remain optimistic. I would love to go around once the school, the kids start going back and it's, it's more safe that we take the assembly outdoors, you know? Mm. Have the kids in the grass and we have this big stage and it's in the center and the kids circle around and they're socially distant and they're in the sun and I bring my big speakers and we just have fun. Yeah, it's like a big, uh, it's like a big kickball game, but it's dancing uh, mm. and it's just, connecting outdoors and uh like i was saying earlier it's very important to be outdoors i think just it, moving it outdoors would be a, a smart move so yeah i mean i i definitely because me as a parent like i feel like you know it's been in the scope of things of their whole high school life it's or their high school the whole school career so to speak it's it's a small amount of time a summer a few months versus the rest of the years but i also feel like this is you know, kids, a lot of kids right now are missing out on an opportunity to be social with their friends, especially if they're not, you know, their home situation isn't the best. Some of them, school is the best thing that happened to them because they have their friends or they have adults that care about them. So, like, I, it, it sucks that the, I guess the lockdown here has extended um, yeah. uh, and schools aren't shut down, but, you know, I've, I am, as long as the kids are safe for the most part, because I don't know what happens behind closed doors. Uh, what do you what do you feel like you enjoy most about your job? I enjoy the smirks of the audience and the who is this person and kind of like um, I enjoy that when I first or when they first come in and they're like who's this guy you know and another assembly like when you think of assembly or presentation you don't think of having fun and so I love being the underdog sort of sort of sort of say. Um, and then when I just bust out that first dance move, um, the kids light up, you know, and it's an old school dance and the teachers are like, oh my gosh, I remember this song when I was <laughs> in middle school. So you're connecting at all levels, like yeah. the kids and then the adults because it's throwback. Yeah. And then everybody's just like finding themselves like, oh, the music is cool and he's dancing and you start getting excited, you know, the, the energy is starting and you can feel the aura around. And once I get everybody connected and it's, it's pretty early or it could be pr uh, pretty late in the assembly, once I have everybody connected, the teachers and the principal dancing, 
to me, that is, that is the, the purpose of this, is to get everybody connected and everybody to know that we're in this together and energy can, it's easy to create positive energy. It is also very easy to create negative energy, but if we can just all support each other, support each other in a positive way, then, you know, kindness would, will already be prevalent and uh, mm. respect towards one another and towards your teacher. I think at this time, um, a lot of teachers may be afraid, not in elementary school, but are, might be afraid to be them, their true selves. But I quickly learned that when you are fake to the crowd and you tell BS stories to them, they're going to smell that like no one else and they will not respect you. So there are many times where I'll talk about, you know, I'll get them into this happiness state, but I also want to be real with them. You know, my dad recently passed away last year and I wasn't very close to him, but because I'm able to share this story about him, I get, I'm able to connect with him every single presentation like no other. And I get a little emotional. I get a little emotional um, and I see the kids, some of the kids start crying. Uh, they come up to me and they say, yeah, my grandfather passed away or uh, my mom, she's mm -hmm. not here anymore. She left us or my dad left us or he passed away. And to know that the kids connect even on that level, you get them expressing the negative emotions that they would be holding in and you get them projecting that out. And, and for me to tell them that it's okay and it's okay to feel like this this way and it's okay to talk about it um, because it is very dangerous if you do not let your emotions out. If you kind of just let them in and you kind of, and you have no way to release them, they can be dangerous. They can mm. be dangerous. And so I think releasing this energy and, and having them feel that it's okay um, is something that I really value. And this is something that I really want them to learn. Uh, what's the difference in terms of, in terms of your messaging with, with, between high school, high school, middle school, and elementary? I think, is there, is there, do, you get, do you tell them different messages? Like, you know, for the importance of kindness for elementary or versus high school everything is going to be okay is there a difference uh or even approach you know it um early on i had the same message for just all high schools in general and then for middle school i had a similar message but i didn't talk a lot um and elementary i don't talk as much as i do with high school because of the the age level and they're not able to just sit there and listen to me for as long but i also have to look at the school district what city they're in what state they're in their demographics mm -hmm. their socioeconomic um, status because all of that matters if a school is highly populated with hispanics and um, then I know that I'm going to have a good time and that Hispanics are very much like Filipinos and they're going to they're going to understand the that we have big families and we have crazy moms and they're going to understand that. Um, so it really depends on what kind of kids there are um, with high school. I like to go into my coming out story and. Um, oh, oh. Yeah, to me, at this moment, it's so, it's, it's in the media, it's everywhere. Um, but it is the hardest thing to do for me personally, because I still get um, uh, phone calls to the district. I still get negative comments from parents, not students, 
not students. I get negative comments from parents. I get negative comments or people that are calling the principal and saying that I don't appreciate that he came out and said that he was gay um, wow. because I want to protect my, my kid. What are you protecting your kid from? There, there's nothing that, that I did. All I, all I said was that I got married and I, I told my coming out story, but that wasn't even the point of it all. I wouldn't be able to be up here and, and, and be at this point of my life where I am truly happy if I wasn't able to accept myself and tell my true story. And if yeah. I'm not able to do that and be vulnerable and from the kids, how hard would it be for them to be them true, them, their true selves? And so to me, uh, it's so hard because I've, heard, I've been banned from schools and I've been banned from school districts wow. because of my sexual orientation, which is sad. And this is California. Mm, yeah, that, that's a really powerful thing to share because I feel like at that, at that stage of their life in the high school, like they're, they're in their own progress of trying to find themselves, trying to figure themselves out and find their own voice. So you, an adult, and I feel like a lot of their, their adults try to, in, the, in their respective circle, come off as like they figured it out in a sense. Mm -hmm. so it's hard to connect, but would you share use like being vulnerable and sharing your story. I think it's such is a powerful way to for them to connect with you immediately. In a way this is therapy for me, Emroy. Like I my parents, you know, being Filipino and Asian uh, household, we never said I love you, we never hugged, we never asked how we were doing or shared emotions. It wasn't you, you kind of just swept that un under the rug and so for me to share my story, to cry, to laugh, to talk about my experiences, I love my parents and I I'm so grateful for what they've done. Um but I also understand that they tried their best and um I'm going to take what they they taught me, but I'm going to take it a step further and and let the kids know that yeah, everybody's household is different. Um mm. but it is your job to navigate through that and to learn what's right and what's wrong. Uh because when you become an adult and you have a a family or you raise a kid or you're 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 now the the person of the house or you it's up to you to withhold those values and, and, and choose what you're going to be teaching because it's, it is very important that you have good values that you can pass down. Um, and so I, I'm just appreciative of my parents, but I also know that um, I had to, uh, I, I had, to, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Uh, how's so, okay. I have an idea of your elementary and the high school message. What about the middle school kids? If you said slightly oh. tailored, I mean, I'm just curious, like, because they're all such different phases and stages in their life. Man, middle school is probably the one where I have the hardest time in the very beginning. Those kids are going through body changes and hormonal changes, and they're transitioning from elementary school into a junior high, which is a different situation. And so I feel for me as a speaker, um, I need to pull out everything because I don't know how I'm going to connect with these kids. The number one thing is for me to connect with them. And sometimes the dancing isn't. And if the dancing does not, then the, the storytelling of uh, how my mom uh, used to take us to the, <laughs> she used to uh, take us to the Filipino parties and she would uh, throw money on the ground and, she, and she'd say, dance, boy, dance. And that's how I made my money, you know? Wow. 
and we would, <laughs> we would go and and uh, there was all this Filipino food and then your your auntie and you know there's all the family there she they would just tell about I was just all the stereotypes about Filipinos on how they gossip and how they play mahjong in the garage <laughs> or, how, or your dad's and the dads and the uncles are <laughs> karaoke yeah, uh, in the living room and watching the Laker game, yelling at Shaq and Kobe, uh, <laughs> shooting. Uh, so I have to, I have to put it all. It's storytelling. It's creating that energy. And for me in junior high, they are harder to get their trust. It's, it's about earning their trust. And once I feel that energy shift, that they're okay and they accept the message and my energy, then that's when I can mm. push it a little bit further. That's when I bring them on the stage. That's when I have them dancing and performing for their classmates and just for them to come up on stage. I mean, that's like the most terrifying thing. But as long as they came up, they, 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 that they made that first step. And, uh, and, you know, in junior high and middle school, it's about um, being, trying everything, trying different clubs, trying different, uh, <laughs> sports because how will you know what you like if you don't try everything and a lot of the kids are just too shy to do it and hopefully with me leading that and and making and letting them know that it was okay that it's okay to be yourself that it's okay to try new things and to be crazy and talk about your your your, your crazy family and to just to dance ridiculously right whenever you want um I'm, i just hope that once they leave the assembly, they come out with the aha about, you know what, he's right. I'm going to stop being scared and I'm going to try to find anything and, and, and do anything and surround myself with people that are positive so that um, I could be supported uh, by for who I am and not for what I can do for people. Uh, that just made me curious. Like when you, when you said you, like when you see that you've, I guess, got their attention, like was there like a vibe or is there like a look is it like, is there a certain thing, you, a, a criteria you look for? Like, oh, like before you switch gears, like, oh, now I, now I got them. Like they're, they're they have their attention now. It's the first, it's the laugh. I think it's the laugh. I, I, I'll tell my story and I'll do the Filipino accent and I, I hear the laugh. Once I hear the laugh <laughs> or the person that was like giving me the dirty look while I was, while they were coming in if I can get them to crack a smile or to move their arm in a way where I, where they're dancing a little bit, then I know. Yeah. I can, it's an, it's a feeling. I, I can't describe it. There's something about the feeling of the audience and don't get me wrong. I've bombed. And I, there was one time where I didn't even get through the entire set because I, wow. couldn't, I couldn't get them to be quiet. I just couldn't get, yeah, I just, I tried everything. And so at that point I was like, I think I next time I go there, I, we're gonna have to do discipline. I started doing it was elementary school, um, and I started doing. If you can hear me clap once, if you can hear me clap twice, uh, tell them like um, waterfall, shh, and then to get them to be quiet. I have to give them discipline points or pointers because unfortunately the uh, faculty or the administration didn't. Um, so I didn't. I didn't know that. Mm, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, I can only imagine how rough that must have been to, to not go, not be able to finish your set. Like, I, I, how, how do you walk away from that kind of thing? Like, uh, like, how did you like stop it? And you're like, all right, I'm done. Just walk off or. I, yeah. I just said, guys, I, we ran out of time. I can't get you to be quiet. So I think it's, 
it's time for you guys to go back to class, <laughs> you know? Um, but again, like I said, it wasn't their fault. I think from that day, I started teaching them disciplinary things where I can get their attention real quickly mm. or get them to, to be quiet. So after that, I learned so much about starting off the assembly by giving them um, just different uh, signals, right? Like, if, like I said earlier, if you can hear me clap once, getting them to pay attention um, to me and I can get them in sync. So anytime I needed them to be quiet, I would just say waterfall and then go shh and then it would be, be quiet. Wow. There is a point, I've made also a point to uh, speak to the principal right when I arrive, talk to the secretary and also the most important person that I must speak with is the janitor or the person who's in, who's in charge of custo the, the custodian, the head custodian. Because that person has been there the longest, I, I feel. Huh. And they, by their personality and by how they um, tackle their job, I have an understanding of what the temperament of the teachers are and what the students are. Wow. And, janitor is like really like really happy and he's like hey what's your name what you doing here oh you know saying hi to the kids i'm like okay that's i'm, I'm glad that we have that connection or that he said it first because i know that the school climate reflects his attitude it, wow attitude yeah that's I, gave me chills yeah I mean, those are just those little pointers that you, that you figure out about schools. Um, I'll even, uh, you know, when I'm walking, uh, when I first walk in and there's, there's students around, I also notice that if they ask me if I'm, like, I always, I always have them, are you Mexican? You know, and I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I'm close, I'm Filipino. If they ask me that question while I first come up, I know it's going to be a good day because they're they're curious they want to talk to me they want to know who i am you know like oh who are you are you the dj no i'm not the dj i'm, I'm actually a speaker oh are you about this is the assembly what is the assembly about if they come up to me and ask me questions like that i know that we're going to have a lot of energy if i come on campus and they just don't even know like they don't even like acknowledge me i'm like oh it's going to be a little hard because they're so focused or they're shy you know mm. so, I always try to find pointers or little things, little hints to tell me what I need to do. For That's them. wild. Like how, like, it's not like the energy and everything pre-assembly that leads up to the assembly. That's crazy. You mentioned like one of the moments you bombed. Like what, I'm curious now, like what about the, you have, do you have any like maybe two or three moments that were like, absolutely iconic that it should have been in a movie that i bombed no 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 not 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 bombed the opposite oh like that were like this is like this moment is so pure and amazing right now i wish this is like am i in a movie <laughs> yeah i think one one i mean it was so touching because i talked about at the end i just say you know kids um I talk about happiness, but I just want to let you know that this year hasn't been the happiest. It actually been, has been the hardest. And I talk about my dad passing away and he was taken from us. Um, but before he got to, to leave, he got to go to my, my, my wedding. And, and I wasn't too close to him, but I'm 
Every day I get a chance to speak with him and I feel his energy in this room. And so even though I wasn't able to speak with him a lot when he was here, I am able to speak with him um, in, a, in a way where it's more meaningful. And I always talk about maybe one day, um, my husband and I we were thinking about maybe adopting kids, you know, and, and fostering and fostering to adopt because there's so many kids out there that um, are not in the, the best homes or they're just, they move from home to home. And I think that's, that's what we're gonna do. And I would share it with these kids. And at the very end, the kids are leaving. And then one of the, one of the kids, I think he was like in second grade, he comes up to me, he hugs my leg. He goes, cousin Danny, will you be my daddy? And um, I just like, I could feel his pain, you know? So I just gave him a big hug and I said, we'll see, we'll see. And so I think from that point on, it's like, man, like the things that I say, the things that, um, yeah, the things that I say really affect these kids. You just never know like what, how they're affected. Some of them don't have a home. They live in motels. They don't have food to eat. Um, it's just hard. And so when I started understanding like that the day that I came was their happiest day in, in their life. To me, it's like, I need to be at as many schools as possible because you just don't know how many lives you're saving. You know, especially at that age. This is a second grader. This is a second grader. And uh, now I just like look at the audience and I know that there's somebody that needs some, uh, they need, they need that spark. They need, they need positivity. They need that day that changes their life so that one day they'll want to be the happy man and they'll want to take my job. And I always tell them like, you know, I'm getting old, but if you want to take my job, I'm here. You need to graduate. You know, you need to go to school. You need to graduate. And uh, I'll teach you. I'll take you under my wing. Let's go. But I know. So I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think every day is like that. I cry a lot, Emroy, at, at these presentations because um, I don't know. I just, it's just the emotion of it all. You, you come up, you're feeling so happy, and then you're grounded immediately about tragedy or just feeling humble or grateful for the situation that you're you're put in it's like it's like god how why did you choose me to do this like you chose me to to do the to do your work and i'm just so grateful and i just kind of pinch myself every day thinking wow he chose me i have a great responsibility to to him and to everybody um all the kids out there to just be my best and if i don't say the right things I know that they know that, yeah, you didn't really mean it. You know, it wasn't his intention. It was a mistake. So there are times where I might not play the right song. You know, I might, I might have some cuss words in it. And <laughs> I apologize. You know, I'm sorry. Um, or the song is suggestive. I, I, the teachers are like, you can't, shouldn't play that song. And I'm like, I apologize. I don't think the kids really know the lyrics. I don't, I don't remember 
lyrics baby got back when that was the, uh, I didn't really understand what that meant <laughs> yeah really. I didn't know what creep meant so <laughs> all these songs I didn't know so I I just know that my intention was to get them to dance yeah well that, that's powerful because like being a parent and just like also like doing my own share of assemblies with culture shock back in the day and seeing the impact that it has on kids it's it's huge Cause like I go in there, I was like, oh, I'm just here to dance and kind of do my thing. But when the kids actually do something like that, it's, it really something so small makes such a massive impact. Like an hour of their day can like, yeah. could be the slight shift for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I say I'm cousin Danny cause I'm now their new cousin mm. and um, I'm their older cousin. And a lot of times I'll go out to their recess, you know, just to kind of play with them or just be out there. And I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to put religion in this, in this, but I feel like Jesus, like it just everybody's surrounding me. I just feel like it's just all this love and, and, and all this like happiness and hope. Um, I'm just so happy that I'm able to connect with these kids at least for that day. And if I come back or if they see uh, some videos on Instagram or some of my TikTok videos, they'll, they'll still be connected. So, um, yeah, I uh, really take my job seriously uh, because I have so much responsibility. Man, as a parent, it's like I'm grateful that programs like yours exist. Thank you. Because right, it's like... You know, it's kids will only listen to their their parents and teachers to a certain point, yeah. <laughs> and then it's refreshing to see like for them it'd be another another voice to kind of lead them towards the right path, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, like you earlier, you mentioned some some people banning some districts banning you. Like, what are the some some of the challenges you you face through like through this whole profession? It's that insecurity of the messaging. Like, do I not tell my story when I go out to these school districts or this these schools? Um, like, do I change it? And so I'm always fighting myself. Like, do I change the music? Do I do everything that they want me to do? Because essentially they're telling me what to do and I'm not being my true self. So that's where the, the fight is. It's like, do I take on the job even though I don't agree with uh, the parameters, with the patients? Yeah, these parameters. Like, I'm, I'm not here to hurt anybody. You know, I, I've, I've, I, I know I've been doing this for quite a while. I've been a teacher. I've, yeah, it's just a lot of insecurities and so with these schools that have banned me or highly suggested not to hire me, the schools still do it. And the parents still try to not have me there. But I gotta but I gotta say that I'm not bothered by them. Um, I actually would love to have a conversation or actually have them uh, come to the assembly. I'm there for the ki their kids. I'm not there for them. I'm not even there for the teachers. I'm not there for the principal. I'm not there for the superintendent. I'm there for the kids. And um, I would say 99 out of 100, um, 
I've done my job for the kids. And then, so I kind of try to block out the, the PT, you know, the parents that are, that, that are there or the teachers, I try to block them out because when I'm on stage, I, sometimes I get caught up like, oh, did they, did they think that that move was appropriate? Or did they think that that story was appropriate? Like there's teachers mm-hmm. that are not even smiling. They're like grading their papers. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, am I not entertaining enough? And so I kind of get stuck in that. But then you just look back at the kids and they're like, they're just like looking at me. <laughs> you know? They're just so engaged. And I just got to remind myself like, look, I know that you've had, you've had trauma in your life with adults. Uh, but you know what? It, you're not there for them. Mm. There for them. What did you feel like was the most surprising when you started doing this? Like, what surprised you most when you started doing this whole thing? That that pe- that people really like dancing. <laughs> that they really like moving, especially the kids on on the spectrum, the special needs kids. Oh, I love those kids. Um, they are meant to move. Uh, they love the assembly because they're able to be free. There mm. was one assembly when one kid was just running around and running on stage and trying to grab my microphone. And you could see his um, assistant, the assistant who was in charge of him, like chasing him and trying to like pull him and trying to contain him, you know? Mm. And I said, it's okay. Like, it's okay. So I let him come on stage. I let him talk on the mic. And he was like kind of being my mini me and he was just like being himself and I didn't contain him I just kind of just went with it you know and to me I just learned that with kids you have to let them explore you Mm. know and if there's a point where you feel danger for yourself or for the kid then that's when you can stop it or change the activity but I never felt any danger or negativity from him. I just felt he wanted to just go on the mic and he just wanted to scream and, 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 and shout out to his, his, his classmates because this, is, this, is, this was his assembly. This, is, was, this was his chance to shine and be on stage. So I used them. Mm. I, yeah, I really do uh, love those kids that, uh, because they're able to express themselves and they connect with the energy and the music. Do you sometimes deal with some kids that are like, mean or like judgy when the other kids go on stage and how do you like mitigate that uh yeah you know there are the ones that kind of that that laugh or yeah because i know because i'm asking because i would have been a little those little punks so. yeah. <laughs> yeah you know i i just say look if if you think it's so funny why don't you come up here you know and then their friends like oh yeah i thought so like you can make fun of people but you can't take it okay then you have nothing to say and then everybody kind of like oh so you kind of just throw it back a little bit a little bit of shade you know (laughs) (laughs) At, at that point i know that that kid isn't laughing to be mean well i think that kid is just um fearful you know, because, or insecure, like, oh, I, like at one point he's laughing or she is laughing because yeah, oh, they're, they're not perfect, but they're also laughing or scared, you know, that what if they were really up there, they would be terrified, you know? So it's kind of like, I get, I understand, I understand that uh, behavior. It kind of of reminds me of the uh, saying that I heard uh, one of my friends say, he like haters, are confused admirers because mm-hmm. like they are 
because what they're seeing up there is ref- a reflection of what they want to be, but a part of them is denying it. Absolutely. And kind of, so that way they're like playing down. On it. Like for me in high school, like I, in sixth grade, I was, uh, I was practicing in sync moves because they had some locking, they had some pacing and uh, I was called the FAG word like in sixth grade from there. I quit dancing for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that point on, I, was, I hated dancing. So secretly I wanted to dance. So, so I didn't get back into it in like until 11th grade, but yeah, it was like a, a judgment made me hate what I love. So I could see how some people do that. And if I saw you and you told me that story, I would just tell you like, look, you always remember this phrase when people are hating. Okay. When people hurt you, just remember this hurt people, hurt people, Mm, hurt people, hurt people. And so you just kind of have to like ignore it, you know, I know it's, it's hard, but if somebody's like really making fun of you, it's, there's something that's going on and you have to have that empathy and that compassion for that person. Um, you're not taught that, you know, it's so hard to do because you want to fight back. Mm. Uh, but all you could do is try to understand or, uh, just understand where that person is coming from and maybe you might become best friends later. You know, you just never know yeah. friends with people that I did not like at first. And then once we found that commonality, it was like, Oh dang, we're, we're good friends. You just never know. You just never know. So in that instance, yeah. Yeah. I, I ran into him like much later in life. Once I got back into dancing in high school sure. and then after and no, yeah. After high school, I was like college. Somehow we ran into each other. Like, hey, are you still dancing? You still had this like arrow of, I'd say arrogance, so to speak. Yeah. But at that, that time, I felt more confident in my dancing because I re- rediscovered my passion for it and I was able to confidently say, yeah, I got a dance crew now. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I don't know. He tried to make, I guess he was trying to make fun of it, but it was interesting, like, I don't know, being able to face what I was afraid of before because that, man, I remember that day clearly and I remember walking home that day and thinking out loud to myself, like, I'm never dancing again. Mm-hmm. And then I think that was actually a, a huge source of why I was angry a lot too. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, just, I wasn't expressing myself cause I was judged for it. Mm-hmm. Going back to you, like what are some of the misconceptions in regards to your whole assembly or even, or even what you do? <laughs> um, I think a lot of uh, people that are looking to have the assembly at their school, they'll watch the videos um, and they just see a lot of dancing and it's like a dance party and they think, oh, he's a dancer and he's going to teach us how to dance. And when they ask me like, what is your assembly about? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for me to describe because it's not about what I say and it's not, it's about the energy that I create. Mm. And so that's why I say, you know, I'm, I'm not a youth speaker. I'm actually a happiness creator. I create happy, positive energy that can be transferred to get people in their peak state so they can step out of their box. They can connect with one another. They could actually be kind to each other and have fun all at the same time. And if they can take that energy um, and create it so quickly, what happens if the teacher in a class was able to recreate that energy? you know, every day mm-hmm. of their class, how close would that class be? How open and how fun would that classroom be? 
You know, yeah. it's about creating this environment. It's not about, you know, it, it's very important to have rules and it's very important to, to discipline, but it's also very important at that point for elementary school kids to explore and to just to to have fun and move around. So now I'm starting to see teachers like um, every Friday, they'll have a little dance party before before uh, you know they start That's when i was funny. teaching math we would stand up and we would just i would turn on music and we would just kind of dance a little bit and just whatever you wanted to do um every so often because it gets your mind back into that state and i, I honestly i learned it from tony robbins i went to his uh, alicia power within conference and he said he was going to talk for 12 hours and i said tony i'm not going to sit here for 12 hours listening to you <laughs> But he, he would talk, and anytime he felt the energy going down, decreasing, he would turn up the music. We would stand up. We would jump. We would yell. We would sing the songs. We would high-five strangers. We would dance. We would get so excited, and then we would sit down. Um, I made a lot of friends that, that weekend, and I went by myself, like, it was just so powerful because you get into that positive mindset and you feel like you're able to do anything. You know, you're able to speak to people. You're able to come out of your, your comfort zone. You're able to do things you never thought. And if you could take that into your daily life and learn that, man, you're, you're going to be a force. You're going to be able to do more things for yourself than you could possibly imagine. Like, okay. So you went to Tony Robbins for crafting the assembly. Like how did you start, you know, like part A, like act one, act two, act three. How did you start crafting that? Like, or, or did you get to get any training? Like, you know, how some speakers have training for other speakers and all that. I had no training. I, you know, I, okay. So I, I, I have a mentor and he said the messaging needs to, there's like a line that's in the middle and all the stories and all the messaging have to fall within that line. It has to be consistent. Okay. Mm. Um, but in the very beginning, I already knew, like, I have 30 seconds to make them laugh at my joke. I have 30 seconds to get their attention. Because if, I, if they don't laugh in the first 30 seconds, I'm done. Um, so there is at least one person that laughs in the, in, within the first 30 seconds. And so from there, it's about storytelling. It's about storytelling, and it's about recreating just... Uh, what happened Ex sometimes it's exaggerated you know i don't really remember the detail the exact details but i do remember that time being important in my life so it's about that storytelling and then for me um, i have to start my dancing in the very beginning because i get nervous uh when i wake up that morning like i'm nervous to speak i'm like oh my gosh uh i have so much anxiety and the way that i get out of that is i have to i have to dance so I dance right away. And then that's when they're like, oh, okay. And then after that, we go back to storytelling. And then I throw out a task. I, I, I challenge oh. them. I said, look, um, I'm going to be your older cousin right now. And I'm going to teach you guys how to dance. And older, everybody says, no, no, I don't want to. No. Hmm. Yeah. Even elementary school kids like, no, I don't want to. And then they stand up and then I, you know, I teach them, I, I build their confidence. I do these easy moves and I just create this energy and they follow. And by the end of it, it's so magical. I remember it's like they, they start off with, no, I don't want to, to they're actually doing it. Wow. You know? And then I started, um, I used to have dancers come and perform. Yeah. But 
I felt like it was a lot of the kids watching a performance and watching entertainment and not really being involved in it. Mm. And so instead of having dancers dance, I brought up the teachers to dance for their kids. And they didn't know that they were going to do this. So mm. they come up here and they're just showing vulnerability. They're like, there's some teachers that that run out of the building. There's <laughs> some teachers that like make like excuses. And this is, to me, uh, I don't know what their circumstances are, but I do know that they missed a perfect opportunity to really like connect with their kids. Yeah. You know? um, and when the principals come up, oh, it's just so magical. It's so magical because they're having fun. And at that point, I tell the teachers, and the kids don't hear this, I say, look, I want you guys to feel the energy of the audience. I want you to scream your hardest. I want you to dance. I want you to just connect with the energy because they're going to be cheering. I want you to bottle up that energy, bottle up that energy. And when it becomes March, March of next year, and you are writing how many days le are left on the school year, I want you to open that bottle of energy. I want you to sprinkle it over each other. And I want you to remember the happiness that you, you, you bottled up that day when you were dancing. And I want you to finish your year off strong. Because as a teacher, it's really easy to get stressed out and to feel tired and, and, and just to kind of give up towards the end. And so teachers need a lot of love in as well. And so after they perform, then I, then I really talk about a personal story of, of uh, being vulnerable with uh, my dad's um, death or just uh, me coming out in, in me coming out to my family. It has to be a story of, of overcoming something. And I think that's the connector. And then at the very, very end, we just all dance and they all leave. Yeah. So it's just bringing them in these peaks and valleys. It's very much like a dance routine, you know? Yeah. Like there's always like the, the, the opener, then the chill section, yep. couple section, then the closer. Yep. Oh, yeah. In case you guys didn't know, like, yeah, Danny and I like come from the, <laughs> the Los Angeles dance community. Yeah. Uh, Danny being my a senior to me, like he's, I'd say like one of the OGs or pioneers in the scene. Um, he's still looking young, and I just noticed because we're both Laker fans, we're rocking the purple. And yellow. <laughs> Thursday, yeah. 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 Um, for I'm curious, like how? Because you're creating this energy for the kids in this this assembly, and I think you've mentioned lightly like how the teachers can implement it, like having dance parties. Like, how can teachers who might not get the chance to work with you ever, but how can they start creating an environment of, like, peak state, peaks and valleys, like, to work with their kids? Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of YouTube videos are, that are out there, and there's a lot of great um, artists that are – uh, just teaching like these really quick dances or, or little dance parties. And so teachers are, are starting to use um, these resources and they always say, well, Cousin Danny, why don't you have a YouTube uh, thing where you can like be the morning person on a Friday? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it, uh, but there's so many creators out there that are doing this. And so it's really simple. A lot, a, a, every classroom has like internet access, a lot of classrooms. And so they just put the video up and you just let that person, whether it be like even meditation, like teachers have their 
their their classes meditate and, or learn breathing techniques mm. to calm their anxiety. They they do yoga. Some of them do yoga. Like my ne- my little nephew does yoga and he's in like P- P- PK. Yeah. You know. So there, there are lots of stuff that can get you in a peak state or even just get you into a calm state. Um, uh, just playing a music, like a, a fun song and just having the kids dance. You don't actually have to lead anything. You know, you play the song and you just let the kids lead or you ask the kids, what do you want to play? I think adults and teachers take a lot of responsibility or try to have everything perfect. But in mm. reality, the answer is with the kids. What do you, you know, why, why don't you ask the kids? They they know what's they know what's fun. They know what to do, you know. And if <laughs> if they play a song and you hear like a like a word that's not appropriate, oh, you know what? Then you know that <laughs> you gotta give you gotta tell them you can't play that song. But can you pick a song that's you know appropriate? I don't want to lose my job. Do you want to have another teacher? Do you want you want me to get fired? <laughs> no, right? So you know you just gotta be true. You gotta be honest with them. Like they make mistakes too, but you just gotta use your students. Like they know exactly what would be hype for their class you know um and what would be appropriate that's something that you would have to teach them so yeah uh, there's, do you, there's lots of ways do you find it challenging trying to keep up with all the different songs and dance uh party dances that are coming out <sighs> yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so much because i still like because i don't know how long ago it was the dougie then the shoot then dabbing and then flossing and then i don't know what it is this year with the two c slide so so much it's all on tiktok oh yeah it's true we're always like do you have a tiktok i'm like i don't know what that is right do you have a tiktok i was like creative for me tiktok tiktok this tiktok that and i went on tiktok and i i have a tiktok and i totally understand it now i totally understand it now so when we go back to school and i come back to these elementary schools i'm going to actually teach them a TikTok dance that I created, and then we're going to make a TikTok. And so each school will have their TikTok on my TikTok page showing the world that we had the biggest TikTok. That's tight. Yeah. But I don't I, I don't really like following what's what's popular out there, to be honest. Like I see stuff that is going out there and songs that they're using and I just I use old stuff. I use TLC. I'll use stuff that I like. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you see like do you find that kids have a hard time connecting with it or they're just enjoying it either way because i feel like oh, they're like no they're like oh my gosh my 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 dad listens to this song i know this song oh my aunt <laughs> plays this all the time like no they know they know old songs you know Sick. or if they don't you just teach them like uh, music is music they're all it's all the same if, if you weren't te- uh doing this do you think do you still think you'd be teaching uh, you know with this pandemic i was thinking about going back like there has been times where I'm like, I miss it, you know? I miss teaching. I loved being a math teacher and because everything was so structured, you know? You here's the formula, this is how you solve it, here's the properties, here's, you know, here you turn in your homework and there was a right and a wrong answer. And yeah, I miss it. Um, but I don't know. I think my philosophy as a person. And as a teacher that knows that there's so much to learn out there, um, I I wouldn't be teaching them what they're learning like in my in math class. I've never really used the Pythagorean theorem at mm-hmm. Routes Market or uh, find the slope. Like I never used that. Like 
I had my students read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and we were learning about wow. interest and credit cards and 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 FICO scores. And I would have loved your math class. Yeah, <laughs> I like, hated math. You got to teach them like real life stuff, you know. And at that point, when I was teaching that, my principal really supported it. He was like, "Whoa, you you go." Um, but then there was this point where I I had I couldn't. Sometimes I would get in trouble with apartment chair. Like, what are you doing in your classes? I'm just like, uh, you know. So I, I, I just don't have. I don't. Uh, I hate to say it, but I don't. I don't like st staying within the boundaries. I, I like to be a creative person. I like to push the boundaries sometimes and just see where it takes me. Yeah, you and I share the same sentiment of like where we have a lot of freedom Absolutely. in what we can do. So the structure isn't always. I'd say consistent, but we have an idea of what we're going to make happen. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I definitely can relate, and especially like um, having a lot of limitations and when there's a lot of pot potential with what you're trying to push. Yeah. Um, I have no job right now, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm still, I'm so lucky to be living where I live and that the government uh, is taking care of the un unemployed right now and um, that I, you know, that I don't have any debt, you know. Um, my husband and I have been pretty good with having a budget, so I don't have a job. Um, I don't know <laughs> if I could not have a job any longer and it's like I'm getting so bored in my mind, but I'm at this point where I'm a little depressed because I'm not able to do what I love. Mm. And so I'm battling this thing like, gosh, you, you're, you have a, a roof over your head. You're not struggling financially. You can just stay home and do whatever you want. Why are you not grateful for this? And so I told my husband, look, I need to get a job. And I told him, okay, I need to work at Trader Joe's. <laughs> and he goes, what do you, why? I don't know. I just feel like they have so much fun there. And, and for me to like go outside and, and, and say hi to people and to grab the carts from them and to clean it and to like help people with, you know, finding a certain product, I think it would be a little fun. You know, because my first job was McDonald's. It was like a customer service job, but it was hard. I think I need something like that to to ground me into thinking like, yeah, you are spoiled. You are entitled <laughs> to. Uh, you need to have this job <laughs> and make, you know, and make fifteen dollars an hour to really realize what, you know, sometimes it takes that situation to ground a person. And to be honest, I think that's what it. That what I need to do. I'm at this point. Um, I'm I'm sort of in a like a seasonal depression where I'm not able. I'm not inspired to do anything because I'm I can't connect with the kids. Mm. So I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this, you know? And um, every day is it, it's a fight. I got I got to keep you know eating right. I got to keep you know having social interaction with my family. Exercise is a key thing. Reading, just I got to do everything. But I think for me, I probably need to be around people more. So then getting a job, I think that would help. Yeah, who, I'm, I'm applying for, for Trader Joe's. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, because like, you might have a conversation or an experience there might be the trigger that you need for the next step to somehow adjust to everything that's happening. Sometimes like the only way out of it is to go through whatever's happening. 
it would be my second job and I'm ha I would ha be happy because as a speaker, I would just speak in the mornings, like literally 8 to what, 12, 8 to 11, and then, I, you know, my day's done. And so at night, I really had nothing to do. I go to gym or whatever, but it'd be, it would be kind of cool to have a, a second job and just, yeah, and to provide service to, to people. I love food. I, I honestly still think that you, you would be an amazing YouTube personality. You have a great look. So, but I think a huge part of what you do requires the human interaction. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I've tried it. Like it's, I'm terrified of this camera. I'm terrified if there's not another person like right there talking to me. You know what it is? I'm like, when I, when I, um, after I graduated from college, I didn't come out of the closet. I was still in the closet. I was 21 mm -hmm. and I decided that I couldn't take it anymore. And so I actually moved to the Philippines. Oh, I wow. moved to the Philippines and I pursued acting and dancing. And I told like my parents and my friends, I'm going to pursue this because I really want to be an actor. <laughs> I thought I did whatever, but really it was to escape. It was to escape like the shame and the guilt of, you know, being gay. And so when I went there, um, I, I got signed to ABS-CBN. Wow. And, yeah. And I was a host for this, this show called, uh, oh gosh, I don't know the name of the show. It was I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I, was, I was a host, but I was so horrible because it was a camera and then I, was I had to talk to the camera there's nobody around. Like I just talking to the camera, I was not trained or anything like, and I think that just affected me. I was, I got fired basically. I got fired and, and, and it, I think that, that was, that was the point where I was like, Oh, I really failed at that job. It was something that I, that I have to overcome. So um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe I'll try YouTube. I'm I mean, just, I'm just terrified. I'm not going to lie. Cause I, when I, when I first started doing all this, yeah. Um, what do you call it? I, uh, I was petrified of the camera. I think I started doing my own YouTube videos 2011, 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was, if, if any of you guys are watching this on YouTube, if you look back into the videos in 2011, 12, 13, one of those, like I would do so many jump cuts. Like, and I was so anxious and tense. I would do like every, I would what I would do is I would film myself say a sentence, pause. Next sentence, pause. Next sentence, pause. And it took me about I would say I feel like two to three years to get over it. Cause I like in my head, it was like uh I always had this one piece of advice in my head that stuck through a lot of things. Like the first three years of any business is the hardest. And I just kind of took that the first three years of this, you know, who knows where you'll be. It's a it's a skill. And then now I've gotten to a point where like, I feel like I still feel the anxiousness. It's almost like performing, mm -hmm. you know, you're, an you're anxious, especially if, if it's a, if you've never freestyled before going into a cypher or doing a freestyle performance is overwhelming, but doing it enough times or all that stuff, I think it, it be eventually became easier. And I think with you, like it would definitely be easier in like, since you're already, you get into a state when you speak to other people already. Yeah. It's, 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 I think letting go, it's transferring that state of mind to being in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. Cause, and then, 
the one piece of advice that I, I, I learned that helped me out a lot was like when, because when, when looking into a camera, you're like looking into like a huge, like one eyeball looking at you. Yeah. And it's like the way I thought about it was like, who do I, who's the one person do I want, I'm talking to right now. Mm-hmm. And like when I'm, th- when I'm thinking about it, especially now is like, all right, whoever's seeing this at the other side, I know my son may eventually see this. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that when he hears this, he hears the message, the message that may help him or what, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Like whoever you're, you're trying to reach out. Maybe you could be like in, uh, in a, I guess you could put it in a scenario that you're film whenever that you're filming for that second grader that wanted you to be his dad. And this, mm-hmm. hopefully this video could somehow make an impact on his life. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, carry <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, yeah like um I, I like this question i i had their share of experiences what would you what would you say to your young what advice would you give to your younger self oh i love that question i love that question um i do this activity like this guided um, meditation where i um have older kids close their eyes and imagine themselves on a beach, laying laying in the beach, mm-hmm. um, with the sun, you know, and the wind and the ocean, and they walk on the sand and they feel the water. It's so warm, and mm-hmm. it's just paradise. And you're by yourself, and you're just like, whoa. And then you look over to the right, and then in the distance you see this small person. You're like, who's that person? And then you walk closer, and and there you still don't know who it is, and you you walk closer and closer and when you get right to that person on this island with you you look down it and it's your younger self it's you mm. and um when i first did that i just started crying and because what i would tell my younger per- my younger self is that you are loved you know and that just to be always kind to yourself because I just feel like as a, I would say I'm like an A-type person that will always, always striving for perfection, but I'm, I'm so nice to other people, but I'm never nice to myself. And so mm-hmm. I would just tell myself to be a lot nicer and to be a lot kinder to myself and to try as many things as possible. And um, that even though you don't get it on the first try, second try or third try, just know that everything's going to be okay and that um, there's a plan, there's a plan, and it's for you to just be who you are and don't be afraid of who you are and, and, and show people who you are and don't, don't be somebody who you're not. So um, I think, yeah, that's what I would tell myself, just to be really kind and to be really empathetic when you look in the mirror. Mm. Yeah, that's a... That's good. Yeah, the, I was just trying to go through that through that exercise right now, mm-hmm. and then the minute you said it was like your younger self, like I caught myself like shh, like it hit right here. Yeah, it's a powerful. Let's uh, say meditation. Right? Yeah, it's guided meditation. You cut because people um, a lot meditation is hard for a lot of people because they can't get their monkey mind or their brain to calm down. So you have to kind of like give them you know the steps or visualization um but that part and then yeah you kind of get through that emotion and then kind of get lost into it 
you mentioned earlier, like he, in, when you were in the retreat, that happiness is now. But I think a lot of people have a hard time being present with the now because you mentioned that there's the monkey mind mm-hmm. is so prevalent in so many people's lives because there's so many distractions. Like how would, and I found that meditation has been has been one of the biggest tools mm-hmm. in becoming more present. Mm-hmm. Aside from like exercise or things like that, like how, what are some tools that help you? I guess, come back to the now to be present. Yeah. um, So just recently, I've just been doing a lot of, um, you just got to be in tuned with kind of like yourself and what are the things that you do when you're anxious or you're angry. And for me, when I get anxious, I have an urge to, um, to drink alcohol and for many adults, it's a way or, you know, wine for many adults because it, it calms you, kind of like numbs you to not feel anything. It takes the edge off. It hurts so much. Like anxiety, like panic attacks can hurt so much you just want it to stop. And a way to do that for many adults is to numb by a substance, right? Or mm-hmm. alcohol or, or, or whatever it is. And so I'm, I learned that early, like there's going to be these anxieties, but please promise yourself that you're not going to go to that, that you're just going to feel it and you're going to let it pass because it does pass. Like if you want to drink in an hour, I'll go ahead and drink. But you know what happens after that hour? You usually don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. or if you want to eat, you, you're, you're an emotional eater and you're like, oh, I'm just going to eat this cake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, give yourself an hour. If you want to eat that cake in an hour, go ahead and eat that cake. I bet you when the hour passes, you don't want to eat that cake anymore. Right. Um, when I have the monkey mind going or if I'm watching the news and I see uh, our president talking about injecting yourself with Clorox or whatever and I just get angry <laughs> because he's <laughs> being so ridiculous. But you have to understand that um, you just have to accept it. I get anxious, you have to accept it. And the three things that I tell myself is to see. Like I stop myself, I say, see. And then I look around and I point out the things that I see. Microwave, computer, I see Mm -hmm. you, I see my microphone, um, I see my mouse. And then so I'm actually pointing out the things that I see. And then the next thing I'm going to do is hear. What do I hear? I hear myself. I hear there's like an air conditioning sound. I hear water. And then the third thing that I do is how am I feeling? I'm feeling really good right now. Not too anxious. I'm feeling actually excited. I'm in a positive state. I'm feeling pretty good. And once you go through these things, those three mm-hmm. things, you put yourself into the present moment. You put yourself in now. You snap back right out of it. And if your monkey mind goes again, you do the same thing. You kind of train yourself to kind of get out of that. Because there's no, life is not lived in the past. It's not lived in the future. It's already happened. You know, We've already had our segment five minutes ago. Your life is always happening at this moment. And if you can live in this moment as much as possible, you'd be amazed at how much anxiety and how much hurt you'll surpass. Like you won't even feel it, you know? You'll be more grateful. Yeah. Too good. (laughs) I loved hearing that because it's a a new, tool for me to to try out in terms of like being present especially when you're triggered like it's easy to be like like to to react so oh my mom is a big trigger 
you know, I think a lot of people's moms are triggers. And it's like, it's so funny because my mom will just be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? Why are you asking that? <laughs> like, and then, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, what? Oh, you're in Santa Barbara? Why are you in Santa Barbara? Because I want to be there. You know, we're all like so snappy. And it's because I think it's like a childhood trigger or something. My sister has the same thing. And I feel like a lot of people have that towards their parents. But you've got to listen to the question. The question was, what are you doing? You know, it wasn't a patriot. So you have to realize that. In certain situations, if you're talking to a person that triggers you, whether it's a parent or, or like a friend or something, you got to realize like, okay, when you see that, when you see her face on your iPhone, you got to like step out of that anxiety. <laughs> you just got to breathe. You mm. got to breathe and you just got to put your shoulders down, put your shoulders down and just relax because this is just a conversation, you know, this is just a conversation. So. Um, those are the, the steps. And it's, it's just funny how we sometimes we're just so snappy with our spouses or with our, you know, our, our, our loved ones because we're just so used to them. Like, yeah, you kind of just take them for granted. And um, you just got to realize, oh, uh, why am I treating you that way? Is, is there anything you do or is there anything you do in your everyday life that helps you that has helped you with work? Oh, with work, yes. Um, it's exercise. Yeah, it really is exercising. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a biohacker. Like, ooh, um, okay. Yeah. This opened so up I, a can of worms right now. <laughs> yeah, I find ways to um, live longer and to be mm. healthier and to be able to dance and be healthy and to continue to do what I do. It's a lot of physical work. Um, but I'm always finding out what supplements I could take, what things I could do to get better sleep, what foods I can eat to have my immune system uh, stronger. Like, how can I not get, how can I be, how can I have the, the immunity to fight off COVID? You know, there's a lot of things that you could be doing. How could I get more energy? How can I, uh, so I'm always learning how can I stay, have energy? How can I stay young? Um, and, just listening to the community of, of biohackers and what they do uh, to, to be them, their best selves. You know, you're trying to be your best self because you want to perform at this, at the same level. And when you get older, you want to be able to do the same thing. Like I want to live, I want to be able to speak until I'm 80 years old, but I don't want to be, have my husband roll me out in my wheelchair and then I'm just talking. Like I want to be able to dance at least a little bit and be healthy. But how can I do that? Do will I need to get stem cells? Will I need to like you know? Do I need to freeze my? I don't know. There's so, so many things uh, that science is creating that uh, is making longevity for people a reality. Like it's crazy. Like science yeah. is really um, like I've been able to not be injured. Knock on wood. I have not had any injuries except for this one knee that is a little um, damaged because uh, I ran. And I ran and my knee was hurting, but my physical therapist said, no, it's not your knee, silly. It's that you have a weak glutes, your butt. Your butt's uh. not. So I was like, oh. So for the past 12 weeks, I've been going there. We've been doing my butt exercises. Like, 
And now when I run, my knee don't hurt. Mm. Don't hurt because of I have strong, uh, stronger, I have stronger glutes. So it's just like asking the experts or asking people like, oh, what's the key? I have this happening. Like, what what, do you, what would you suggest? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just yeah, just trying to, just trying to prolong this life because I I think life is beautiful, and I want to be able to pass this knowledge on to the generations to come. Okay, two questions that came into my, my mind. Uh, the first one is, do you use nootropics? Um, I used to. I swear, I swear I'll get back into the topic. I'm just like curious now, folks. <laughs> I did. Like all the, are you talking about like modafinil and like, or the- I'm, I'm barely getting into the oh. whole nootropics and like, so like that's why it intrigued me. Like I like that, I, cause for me, it's, I like trying to have like increased mental performance from work when I'm working. Yeah, I try a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, bulletproof coffee, stuff like that. Uh, mm. A lot of the bulletproof items. Uh, yes, I've tried like chaga mushroom. I've tried mushroom coffee. You just try everything and kind of like what works for you. Um, mm. but yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. A lot of the stuff I'm sensitive to. Um, so it's kind of like trying it and seeing how you perform on it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, second question, because you said you want to do because you have a long term plan for this. Like, how would you feel like if you see this, a kid that you did an assembly for in elementary school, you're now doing an, an assembly for in high school? Like, what would that moment be for, like for you? Wait, repeat the question. So, like, <laughs> say you did a you, say you did an assembly for a kid who's four. Okay. And then later on, he grows up. He's 14, but now you're doing an assembly at his high school. Mm. Hmm. That that's gonna happen very soon. That's gonna be happen very soon. Um, and they we always connect. They're like, "Oh, you're in my elementary school." And I think what's even what would be even cooler is that when they go to college or when they start their career or whatever they want to do, they reach out and they're like, "Hey, I started like doing this, or I started speaking, or I started doing this because in elementary school you said." do what you love and be yourself and don't be afraid to try new things. And that's why I did that. If some, if that fourth grader came up to me as an adult and said, Hey, your assembly in elementary school changed my perception because I did not have a good childhood and I had no hope for myself, but that day changed my perception on the type of person I wanted to be the type of impact that I wanted to make out in the world the and how I wanted to help make this world a better place. I know that sounds so cliche, but really, what are you doing on this world to make it better? Um, if that person came up to me, uh, man, that would, I'm waiting for that moment. I'm, it's still early though. <laughs> I'm waiting. Well, what advice would you give to those people who, who are like trying to pursue a career similar to yours, trying to make an impact on kids? Oh, I would be their mentor for sure. You, if you're trying to do something, find a person that has done it, who's doing it, like the best person who's doing it. Go to their seminars. Go, like, call that person. Like, get in contact with whoever's doing it. Like, why are you trying to learn something that has already been done? Everything has been done already. Don't try to recreate the wheel. Look for those mentors. Those people that are in their like 60s or 70s like I reach out to them and they have so much knowledge but they want to share it like they want to share it 
And so you'd be surprised if you reached out to an older person and asked them, hey, you know, I'm interested. I really love what you do and you're so, you're so great at it. I was wondering if you could possibly like help me. Um, and I would be, you know, I'd be forever grateful. Uh, nine, you know, nine out of 10 times that person would be like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll have a conversation with you or, or lead you to, to somebody that can help, mm. you know? Yeah. Find a mentor for sure. Sick. I kind of want to reverse one of the previous questions now to kind of flip it. Like, what do you think the speaker, the Danny who's done this, who's 80 years old, what do you think he would say to you now? <laughs> um, don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush to um, be successful. Uh, because you already know that success is not determined by how much money you have, what house you live in, what cars, what clothes you wear. Success is internal. It's how you feel about what mm. you're doing. Um, and I just got to keep reminding myself that, you know, when you make these comparisons with your friends who live in these mansions and they have these, their families of gorgeous kids and uh, <laughs> you, you kind of like compare. Uh, so just be patient and just... Always, always think about like who you're doing this for. And once you um, stop getting nervous before your performances, then it might be time to change it up or to find something new. I feel like the fear uh, is something that I always experience. And that is a, a tell for me that tells me that I'm still enjoying what I do. Mm. It, it's going into that arena and, and not knowing what the outcome is going to be, you know? So true, yeah. So it's like, uh, once I lose that, um, then maybe it's time to try something else. Um, yeah. I, I felt similar about what the when I was doing the whole competitive dance community. Mm -hmm. I wasn't nervous on being on deck anymore. Mm -hmm. And I remember randomly yelling out, out during a performance, just like saying it out loud, like, I'm bored as shit right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I stopped doing the competitive scene and started doing more freestyling and just mm -hmm. sh the shift. Yeah. It's like the universe telling you that you need to try something new. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to throw some, uh, just to loosen it up, what some rapid fire questions, probably like a good 10 of them. Um, Okay. What's your favorite summer activity? Swimming. Uh, well, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> who, do you admire, I like it. <laughs> who do you admire the most? Oh, you know, I admire my mom the most because although she drives me nutsos, she, man, just the stuff that she's gone through to raise two kids mm. and having like, it just like to, to see that how she came from the Philippines and just the struggle that she went through. And now um, she's older. She's still a little cray cray and she's very worried and try, treats me like I'm 10 years old. <laughs> but that with all that, you got to just like give kudos. Like I have to give kudos to her because she is still she's still young like she said always says denny i'm going to die next year make sure <laughs> that you take care of me because i'm going to die and i'm like mom you're like so healthy you know she has anxiety 
but she's like she looks good she's healthy she's like the outstanding but um yeah i just look to her for her strength just like kind of her strength and where she came from so yeah the immigrant single mom hustle yeah my mom was the same yeah so all right so uh describe yourself in three words oh <laughs> three words um positive uh sarcastic and um I'm pretty kind. Yeah, I would say kind. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> getting better at it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I wasn't <laughs> before, but uh, I'm I'm getting I just like it. It feels good. Are you, are you a morning or night person? Oh, morning. I wake up at 4:30, sometimes 3:30. Respect. I, I, I go to sleep at 9. Where would you go if you were invisible? <laughs> I don't even know. If I was invisible? Yeah. Oh, I would probably go into the, oh, easy. I would go to like Laker games and stuff and practice and I would just like hang out. <laughs> Seriously, I'd just be there. You'd just be like the invisible sixth man. Sure, I'd be <laughs> like, like interrupt the passes. <laughs> you know, like floating ball. For sure. <laughs> I'd just be there like creating. But if I was invisible, well, yeah, I would just be there. I'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd be at that practice. And the games, I'd be on the, I'd be on the road with them. Yeah, what, what's your favorite tv show uh, uh what's well, an old school tv show that's martin <laughs> i like martin. oh i loved martin growing up that was like one of the few non-cartoon shows i loved yeah it because he would do shenane and shenane was um just a character that he did yeah. now that i watch it a lot of stuff back then was like not accepted in today's society <laughs> oh yeah very non non-pc <laughs> so when it makes me laugh, like I'm just like I can't believe this is happening because it it's not accepted. Like, man, we've come a long way in society. That's true. Oh man, I I mean I feel like we can go another half hour talking about cancel culture. Yeah. 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 Uh, what was your favorite book growing up? Oh, what did I read? Uh, a book growing up, I don't even know. I don't even know. I I wasn't too much of a reader. Mm. Uh, I, I just I actually really loved reading um, magazines like sports. I, I really loved reading, uh, like Sports Illustrated. Like mm. art. But I wasn't nice. really a person. I am now, but back then I didn't. I wasn't a reader. What's your favorite song? It has to be oh, Every Little Step, Bobby Brown. What was that? Every little step, Bobby Brown. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Bobby Brown. Yeah. Um, what is your least favorite food? Least favorite food would be like okra. I don't like okra. It's too slimy. <laughs> I don't think I've had it yet. I might have. Yeah, when my mom puts it in, in synagogue, it's like, oh, you just ruined it. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, okay, last one is a uh, rapid fire question is, where would you want to retire? Oh, gosh. There are so many places. Uh, I'm going to say Hawaii. I don't know. I just like, I feel like I, I like being tan and just being, in, you know, 
just wearing swim shorts and flip-flops and being amongst the people and the water and nature. I think Hawaii, probably yeah, an island yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hawaii is gorgeous. Probably yeah. the, the most relaxed I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, we were waiting to go back, but uh, I would say probably that, that uh, yeah, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So last question of the episode. Um, once, what's... What do you want people to say about you and what you've created once you're gone? <laughs> uh, I want people to know that, or to know that I was very passionate and that I gave it my all and that I was vulnerable, uh, which inspired people to be vulnerable themselves. I want people to say that I tried to make people happy as much as possible and I treated people kindly and um, that I did it be, I I do things for kids because I see that uh, they are, they they are the future and it, it starts like all these bad decisions or stuff that's happening in the world, it could be stopped if a kid was just loved, who was just loved, you know, mm. just just knew that somebody loved them. Mm. I think that if every kid can feel that, then we would be actually a much kinder place, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. There's a, that saying of what you do to children, you do to society. So these angry, these stonewalling adults, <laughs> experience probably experienced the same kind of thing with their own parents yeah yeah but uh i got lucky hmm. i found the buddhist i found Thich Nhat Hanh. <laughs> <laughs> all right so where can people find you online to connect with you know you and know about uh happiness is now a little bit more yeah um we have a beautiful website it's fun you can see like the different uh, assemblies on there uh, uh happiness is now dot org or dot com both uh instagram uh at happiness wait is it happiness is now i don't even know <laughs> wait, what is it happiness is now x oh yeah happiness is now x i changed it yeah happiness is now x and um also at cousin danny underscore cousin danny on instagram yeah those things and tiktok at cousin danny all right dope so uh all the links everything you just mentioned uh, resources everything's going to be down below in the description uh, give them a follow check them out and if you are a principal teacher uh, some a member of the PTA and would love to have Danny up, come oh. visit your school uh, check out his website um, I, I know you you're, you're, you aren't you're not doing any assemblies now but you can there's a waiting list that you're doing so yeah. uh, get on the waiting list so you once once everything is happening he can contact you guys directly so uh, I would call it. I've been a witness from afar of his program when he started till now, and it's amazing to see what he's been doing with the kids, the impact of what he's doing. So, check it out. Other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed this content. If you like it, make sure you hit like, subscribe, share this with friends who you think might enjoy it and find it beneficial. And other than that, appreciate you guys for watching or listening wherever you are in the world. Have an amazing day, night, evening, rest of the year. Uh, make sure to go vote, depending on when you're listening to this. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks for watching. Peace.